Hey everyone, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. I'm Sarah Wakefield. And yeah, um, last week we were talking about embodiment. And you know, that really struck a chord, you know, talking about some stuff with mom and Sarah. Um, and I'd like to continue that conversation, kind of go off the, uh, what was the example we used again, mom? Kind of walking around with just our head, a walking head, like being so in our thoughts or in our intellectualization, in facts, in our left brain, instead of aware of our body sensations, our muscles, our need for sleep or our need for hydration or food. I just, as soon as I said hydration, I went, where's my water bottle? <laughs> All of a sudden I See, thought. See, this isn't my first recording. That's the first thing I grabbed. <laughs> oh <laughs> gosh. My, uh... I'm like noticing going, wow, I wish I had my water bottle right here and it's in the other room. I, I wonder that that really struck a chord with me whenever we were discussing that, you know, just the head without a body. And I I almost wonder, you know, almost like taking things as they come, you know, I almost wonder and I wonder what you think, like, I almost feel life coming at me and I'm just reacting rather than kind of being present or being there in the moment. I'm just more of like, oh, and here's another thing coming my way, almost like you're just kind of reacting and then and maybe this is the ADHD kind of hyper focus too and I don't you know who knows but just kind of the long term sort of you wake up a couple hours later and you're like I haven't eaten or drank anything mm -hmm. I'm feeling a little weak and tired mm -hmm. and so yeah that that kind of brings us off into um, you know a term that I'm still a little shaky on that I'm excited to dive into but disassociation and kind of what that looks like, what that feels like. Um, I'll admit I've only heard the word disassociation, well, probably more of that, but within a context of like a joke or something very exaggerated where, you know, um, you're disassociating, thinking about how there might be little fairies in the forest moving things around and you're kind mm -hmm. of embodying it within the fairies and thinking about, and then you're brought back, you know, mm -hmm. and none of that is real. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, can you go a little bit in depth, Mom, about kind of what that actually means? And because it sounds a little scary. Yeah, well, I think there is a creative element to it that is valid. That I think, first and foremost, dissociation is an understanding that it is a survival technique and it is kind of a superpower if you want to see it through this lens of it's kind of given to us as something we all do, whether we're aware of it or not, mm. and that it can help us survive really difficult circumstances. Mm. Um, even the idea of, you know, yes, we want to be present in the room with someone and attentive and caring and supportive, but there are times, unfortunately, that that's not safe to do, that the person that we're with you know, might be overly critical or we use that word toxic, but that just has a whole lot going on that we need a little bit more of an internal boundary or buffer where we have to step back a little bit and it's okay to not be quite as engaged or um, as present in a sense, because we almost 
have like protector parts within us that say, I need to step back. I need even is to that the amygdala. Is that because you can feel it as a retreat? Like it is a retreat kind of up into your own head, at least like, what it feels like. Sure. It can feel that way. Like a withdrawal. I need to step back. Sometimes when I'm asking someone how present they feel in the room, I'll put my hand next to my head and then like pull it way back to say like you're not really here in the room right now sometimes for dissociation we we say you're here but not here like your mm -hmm. body made it into the room but <laughs> maybe your mind is in 10 places thinking of other things um, maybe you're feeling more in a fog or if you bring your hand forward like reaching outward towards the other person you can imagine being more present more here now so dissociation is this idea that we take really painful parts really things that are too stressful too hard and we sequester them away a little bit we we kind of decide which parts of us are safe enough to show up and be in this interaction and which things need to kind of be on a back burner or more protected. So if we have like a really tender, sometimes they use the word exiled part or our mm. wounded child or something that is a very young part, we don't lead with that because it would be very vulnerable and we would be potentially getting hurt by people who are insensitive or invalidating or unsupportive. So protector parts kind of come out as a way to not feel quite so vulnerable. Hmm. Um, there's lots of different ways to understand how we all, as a survival mode, like kind of have different roles or functions or parts of ourselves. You can even imagine that in some groups you're, putting on your most professional self. And in other groups, you might be mm. much more laid back. And this is where I can really like let my guard down a little bit and just relax and be with people. And so varying levels of how much am I masking myself, protecting myself, guarding myself, or am I feeling safe enough to allow some of that vulnerability to come forward or these different aspects of myself that I'm starting to understand. Um, sometimes people look at it like roles, um, different hats that we wear, different jobs or functions that we have. Sometimes it's um, different uh, emotions that we have, like we have a particularly angry part or a sad part or a mm. lonely part. And that's all disassociating or that's a type of disassociation? It's it's like a fragmentation of how we can compartmentalize or um, organize our inner system huh. so that we can kind of spend time uh, focusing in one area that needs time or attention or where maybe one part takes care of another by saying this part is going to kind of be more in the background while the other part is more in the foreground a lot of that is shifting very unconsciously it's not that we're we're thinking through what our system is 
but we can have more awareness as we get to know ourselves of what are some of these aspects or dimensions of ourselves that are at play. So I'm going to shoot a scenario at you that you might remember. And I feel like whenever I get in front of a group of people or a stage, whenever I click into kind of an MC mode, where I have even felt that shift within myself where I feel like a different person. I think I act like a different person. Like there's more smiles. <laughs> it's almost like if you've ever seen, and this reference might go over, but like, um, well, who, who knows? Just in general, like a, a news reporter or something like that, where, you know, you just kind of, you smile more, you give a little bit of a heartier chuckle whenever something comes your way. and um, And so I have had that conscious thought of, I kind of have a stage persona as opposed to I'm not re my authentic self when I'm up there. Uh, my authentic self is probably something a little bit closer to this podcast where we or even conversations that we might have one on one that's wants to dive a little deeper or kind of go, huh, why is that? As opposed to just, you know, turning into a quick joke and moving on with the, you know, situation or something like that. And so, yeah, that's kind of what it looks like for me is that it sounds like it's something that's natural. So is this something just to be kind of aware that's happening within ourselves or is this something that's kind of damaging to ourselves? Even within through that, I, I can see how some cases it would be damaging, but I wonder about through that lens. Of when it is damaging or when it's not? When I'm on stage. Well, it's almost like when you're on stage, it's not really safe enough to huh. reveal all the depths of your emotions, your stressors, your complexity, your personal life. Like that's not even an appropriate place to, it would almost be like standing in front of everyone naked. Like here's everything about me and now I'm right. going to show it all to you. And that isn't safe or healthy to do. So in hmm. some ways it's not disingenuine. Hmm. I mean, it could be if you completely shift to a whole different it's more of like a flavor of samuel rather yeah than <laughs> i have heard actually that sometimes people like using that language of like oh flavor flavors uh-huh that's pretty fun i like that as well yeah yeah and sometimes it's... people have a very like fun part about them that likes to have a good time that that's that's their more fun flavor huh and i've heard bubble that, that kind of language <laughs> that kind of language that fits fruity tootie or something yeah yeah or their silly huh. part where they're just like, this is where I get to really almost just humor myself with my inner child. That's the like spontaneous, fun, funny part, not the wounded, raw, um, lost child, but more of a, I get to be silly and enjoy something that's childlike. Huh. So, I mean, you can, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll admit I went into this conversation with the idea that the disassociation is bad mm. and it seems like it's more of a tool than mm. bad you know i think some of what you're describing or or possibly reflecting on is the stigma of huh. what dissociation how it's um talked about or presented in the media for instance if you would watch a movie that tries to portray what dissociation is like. They would sometimes very unfairly say that that person is very dangerous because you don't know which person is going to come out or... Sure, I think it's associated with like schizophrenia or some sort of 
like um serial killer sort of situation instead of you know um just something that happens to all of us Mm -hmm. as a defense mechanism in general Mm -hmm. yeah and to to be able to understand someone's internal system of the different parts of them that helped them to cope and survive and sometimes very much thrive is so important like it's not that helps to destigmatize it. It helps to normalize it, that all of us are human beings with parts. We all have aspects of ourselves that we either feel more safe or less safe to share with someone else. And sometimes, like we would say that we've talked about freeze, fight, flight response, Mm -hmm. a fawn response of people pleasing can be a part of us. Like Mm. our fawn response comes to the surface when we want to make sure that people like us. Well, that's very protective in nature because if I'm really kind and I Hmm. take good care of other people, then maybe I won't lose that relationship. So sometimes that, you know, in, in small amounts could be adaptive and fine and work in a relationship. But if we're fawning so much of the time that we've lost ourselves, and we don't take care of ourselves, and we're only taking care of other people this is when we talk about codependency mm-hmm. then that's maladaptive at that point because it's in essence hurting me so there's fight flight freeze and fawn is there mm-hmm. another one that i'm not aware of <laughs> Are we running out of F words? <laughs> so it, it all depends on who you ask. Sometimes they huh. keep building on more of those. Those are probably the most uh, uh, the most known ones. There is a flock response that sometimes they talk about, kind of huh. like uh, wanting to be in community and have your flock around you. That one's not talked about as often or referred to in the same uh, frequency so as the others is this your amygdala is like that where the core of your brain that's coming from because i it was my understanding that um amygdala is that's your fight or flight response that's the kind of defense and this all sounds defense related definitely in the sense of you know the concept of having a protector but it's interesting because i was just reading this yesterday morning about (laughs) i know right about the amygdala is also very connected to our wellness and i thought how is that because i would have thought it as being like more a fear response Hmm. and how it's connected to our wellness is that it the brain will focus on how do I find safety? How do I find something to regulate and come back into emotional regulation? And the amygdala is a tool in helping us to do that because it helps us know I'm unsafe right now. I need my Hmm. attachment relationships that are Hmm. my um, safe places. I need my safe people to surround me. So in that way, it can be a a fear response, but it can also lead us to where are my supporters? Where are my safe people? And then it can bring our body into more co-regulation and connection and secure attachment and safety, which I thought was fascinating. I never associated that with the amygdala before. Yeah, it's almost like it moves, like it's almost you see it as a protector, but if it's just, you know, okay with stuff, if things feel right, then it doesn't really have to stand up. It's just more of like, hey, things look good. Is, is that accurate? I, w- I would say, yeah, like we've got 
you know, this neuroception that is happening at a very unconscious level of constantly checking inside my body and nervous system, outside in the environment, and in between myself and the other person that I'm talking to, it's constantly determining like 12 times a second, safe or unsafe, mm. safe or unsafe. So it's happening very, very much on an implicit level unconsciously we're not aware all the time of what necessarily feels unsafe hmm. we can have a felt sense something seems off or oh i'm hesitating or we have a very strong reaction that's a trigger and then we know i'm not safe right now and so our our body in order to protect us sometimes goes into a default mode that tends to be fight, flight, freeze, fawn. We can have like predominant ways that we interact. I, I think it's useful definitely to understand that the, that disassociation comes from the amygdala because you can almost, once you feel yourself going to the head without a body, you can almost understand right away something is out of regulation. You know, something is. And I do wonder it about being a tool too. Something that comes to mind just from an ADHD perspective of I view one of my strengths as somebody with ADHD as being able to see multiple perspectives and it's almost mm -hmm. like forced sometimes I don't really I, I almost have to bring it back to home base bring mm -hmm. it back in to be able to understand that I'm flipping between multiple perspectives and I probably just need to kind of draw back in but I do view it as a positive you know I was even working on an issue today for work and I'm in IT and so I kind of was like, well, what if I was this piece of equipment? Like, what what would kind of that situation, what would that perspective look like? And it wasn't really, you know, um, out of, out of like, control, but it was more of, you know, useful to see that perspective. And within this conversation here, I'm like, huh, I did a disassociate a little bit for, like, a purpose to solve a problem. It's definitely being able to see complexity, um, multiplicity multiple dimensions to things that were not just one way all the time hmm. all humans have much more um, dynamic to them than that and so there's you know a lot of different ways to describe for people what dissociation looks like for them and language matters so each unique person is going to have a different perspective on how they experience it but it might be that they pause and go away in their minds to a place that feels more safe mm. it's sometimes leaving the present or my body partially or sometimes completely it might be when our body is present and our mind goes somewhere else mm. so um i'm curious we brought this up a little bit before the episode but just kind of the difference between dissociation and distraction hmm. like um i think we have live in you know a digital world where you know i get a message on my phone from teams or whatever from work and then i'm instantly transported to another place mm -hmm. um i do wonder about the naturalness of that because, you know, you could be walking through a forest and, like, a bird might call and you might, go, like, zoom over to that bird and be like, what what bird is that? Mm -hmm. But I wonder about, you know, is the distraction just the cause of the, di the dissociation 
or is it a symptom of, or how do those two interact? That's a good question. I think the, the idea of dissociation can be something very unconscious shifting that we don't know that we're um, moving out of being more present and getting more zoned, zoned out in a fog, feeling kind of numb, checking out, things like that. But other times it can be very, um, like we know with clarity, like, oh, I just got my phone buzzed with the message from Teams. Like I have full awareness of that. Mm-hmm. So that distraction is taking me out of the present and it's interrupting me, but I'm aware of what that is. I think, I think of dissociation as being um, sometimes varying levels of how much we're aware that we're doing it. Like I can have someone sitting with me that just says, I've been dissociating a lot this, this week, or I'm spending a lot of, a lot of lost time dissociated so they do have some Hmm. awareness of it but like i think a distraction we can be zoned out with a distraction or we can realize there's a distraction so i think it's it's Hmm. kind of its own thing in a way like it can feel similar in the sense that it can take us kind of bump us off Hmm. path of being in the present it can distract us and pull us away I think the thing that makes dissociation distinct in what we're talking about is that it's, it's serving a specific purpose of safety, of protection, Mm. of um, like when life is feeling too much and there's just more than we can cope with. It's a way that our brain and nervous system can shift and allow us some rest or to get away from it or to put in an extra buffer or more boundary. Um, but it can feel different ways because sometimes it can feel very like scattered and fractured, but for other times people can feel like this is a really awesome tool to manage my life. And I feel Hmm. protected by it that I can, um, go to a safe place even when I have to be in, the context of this relationship or this room or this conversation, I can kind of give myself a little bit of emotional relational break, so to speak. Like I'm, I'm going to allow myself to distract myself in this conversation. I'm going to intentionally zone out because it's too much right now. But all of that is, is around the concept of, safety, survival, protection, or even rest of just like, Hmm. sometimes we have so much mental demand, you know, we've been working so hard and our brain can't really take constant pressure and work and focus. Like it needs rest. It needs a chance to step back a little bit. And some of that can have a dissociative feel to it of like, I'm just going to kind of not be so intensely focused on something for a while. I'm going to allow myself Mm -hmm. a little, a little bit of getting away from it. So is reading a book dissociation? It can be because it can take you to a different place. I mean, it, Mm -hmm. it can be, um, you know, particularly if you're reading, well, you can get so focused in that other place, even if it's academic or if it's fantasy or novel or memoir, um, 
it can have a, a dissociative flavor to that of like, <laughs> it's, it, I mean, and it can be used as a great tool. Like you're stressed out by other things. So you're going to read for a while and then you're not thinking about your to-do list and all the pressures or demands of work or relationship or finances or whatever it might be. I'm glad you called it a tool because I was starting mm -hmm. to panic because as a kid and currently I love reading. I know as a kid, I used it as a protective safety measure reading mm -hmm. that is. Um, and I would zone out. I wouldn't hear my mom calling to me. I would like people would have to stand in front of me waving their hands in order to get my attention when I was reading a book. And I definitely believe that that was part of my body protecting me because life was chaotic. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. now I use it as more of a tool when I can feel myself starting to spiral or not even starting to spiral, but I know I'm stressed. I have the to-do list to do. I've got 13 different things in my brain. Like all my tabs are open in my brain. My browser's maxed out mm. and I need to relax. Um, and so I use it now as a tool and at which I'm really grateful that you called it that because I started to judge myself like, oh, Sarah, you're mm -hmm. still operating in a disassoci dissociative state. Um, but I do find it to be a valuable tool for helping mm -hmm. me uh, like come back to home base. Mm -hmm. to... I'm thinking just about how everyone's internal world can be creative and look unique to them. And even the example you just gave of having all these different tabs open, you might mm -hmm. spend time reflecting on, even in a very creative artistic way, what are all my tabs? What, hmm. what do those different tabs represent? And you can kind of, it's kind of giving me goosebumps thinking about it because it's like, we understand what tabs are and that we or spinning plates. What are all my plates? Maybe I could name some of my plates or my tabs or whatever it is that those aspects or dimensions of ourselves are part of our complexity and who we are as humans that, that we all are and that we all get to be. Mental health is not black and white. Like it's here not. we are talking about disassociation, but yet we're complex and there's unique aspects mm -hmm. about us. And you know, when I hear dissociation, I think you're not, well, obviously you're not being present, but I've always associated a negative connotation to it. Mm -hmm. And here you are blowing my mind saying, <laughs> let's think of it as Yet again, I know, <laughs> again, <laughs> every time we record, uh, with saying, Hey, let's not pass judgment on ourselves and we're unique and complex. And what are you like? spinning what plates what are these plates is there a connection between these plates and these tabs um yes <laughs> i can tell you there there is connection and i'm honored to be able to think of it that way i feel honored as a stressed out individual like okay i still have worth not just still worth like my stressed out is worthy Mm -hmm. And even to flip that out around and say, not only is it okay, but it's a tool too, mm -hmm. kind of flips. This is where it comes to with mental health that I like a lot too, like flipping and reversing it in a positive way mm -hmm. where you can almost find that positive instead of focusing, you know, on the negative. But, well, uh, we are reaching the end of our time here. Um, so I appreciate you joining us this week. 
Um, there are a couple of folks that I want to shout out before we call it. Um, you know how I like uh, singing, singing some praises. So I did want to shout out um, Julie and Sarah. Thank you so much for both being here with me um, week and week again. I wanted to shout out Steve Dodge. Um, you can check him out, Steve Dodge, the one-man band. Um, he's done our theme song. Um, and Alexander Wells, who does all of our logos um, and stuff like that. Mom's also been revamping the um, social media, so definitely check that out. Uh, if you go to Instagram, I think that's our number one go-to. We're, we're making it into the Gen Z <laughs> population. <laughs> but... Um, Right. Well, uh, thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Um, uh, please keep up to date on that deep breath. They've been such good pauses in uh, week to week, just taking, you know, five to seven minutes of uh, your day uh, just to kind of sit down with mom and kind of hear a calming voice. But anyway, so a new one will be uh, coming out next week. And then the week after that, you'll hear Community Roots again. Um, feel free to reach out anytime if there's any topic that uh, kind of hits you in that way. But um, otherwise, we will talk to you all soon. Yeah.